So you recall where you were May 9th, 2021, at about this time? Well, if you were smart and uh, a good harvester, you were here listening to the first message on the book of Hebrews. I think that uh, the book of Romans took us about two years, so I think 18 months. Is that? No, maybe less, 18, uh, since May. It's not, isn't that bad? You know, there's certain people that you don't necessarily uh, want to get things ready for you. Uh, the person that is not a details person, they are great with uh, driving a forklift or leading a group of people into a big picture idea. But that person that's not a details person, you don't necessarily want them packing your parachute, right? And that would not be good. Uh, the uh, vegetarian, you don't necessarily, you, you would want them maybe to babysit your, be- your pet pig, but you wouldn't necessarily want them packing your picnic lunch if you're hoping for some good fried chicken in it. The colorblind person might be great for negotiating world peace, but you don't want them matching your socks or packing your suitcase uh, for a trip. Unless you want your clothes to all be mismatched. And I don't, you know, I know there's whole ranges of colorblind folks. Uh, so you guys that fall into that category, don't, don't uh, be insulted by that. But when it comes to someone getting you packed for something, as we've been saying, you kind of want somebody that is suited, that is well suited for the task, for what it is that you're hoping to accomplish Because whatever they're going to provide you with is what you're stuck with, right? We've been tasked with carrying out the very will of God as his people. The very will of God on this earth, on this world around us. We, We are called to pray your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thankfully, God himself is able to be the one. He is the one that equips us for the job. I have a clever little title for you here this morning. May the God of peace equip you. And that's because that's what we find our passage telling us. And in this benediction of the closing of the letter to the Hebrews, we read, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I give you here this morning what I hope is a clear picture of expositive preaching. All right? Expositive preaching is what we want to be about um, here at Harvest. And it, it kind of fits our first two values how we want to go about doing things, those being under the authority of God's word and applying the truth to daily life. And so I don't know if I could give you a 
expositive preaching basically is saying, let's take a passage and let's expose it. Let's bring it out to light. Let's, let's look at it together. And so I say, uh, I hope I'm giving you a clear picture of expositive preaching here. As you see, our title is exactly what the passage is saying. Now, I've taken out kind of the, the, the dependent clauses and things like that. But if there's one sentence that our passage is, is telling us in this benediction, it's the prayer. May the God of peace equip you. We want to be about expositive preaching because we want the messages that go out from here to accomplish something, to accomplish what God has for it. And we think if we can keep them as close to what God's word says as possible, it's a pretty good chance of that because he has promised that his word will not go out with a, and return void. It won't return void. It will accomplish the goal that he has given it. So that's what we want to happen from this pulpit, God's word to go out. Let's look at first, first of all, at our Jehovah God. Behold our God. Behold your God. Our, our verses here follow the structure of a benediction in a letter here in terms of a propositional statement and it being backed up by, by an understanding of that, what that statement is saying. But no less we see, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you. We see, first of all, there's a lot of things to kind of observe in these statements here about our God. First of all, he is the God of peace, making peace with his covenant people. This is a common reference to, to God for believers, especially, as I mentioned, in a benediction. And Kenneth Weiss says this, that which separated a holy God from sinful man, namely sin, was put away at the cross. The death of Messiah paid for sin, satisfied the righteous demands of the broken law, and made it possible for God to bestow mercy on the basis of justice satisfied. Which means God, in the work of Christ, was able to declare peace. Was to be able to, to uh, make peace peace between himself and us as his privileged people. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are a part of his privileged people of the new covenant. He's not only the God of peace because he made peace with those who trust in Christ, he also tends to bring peace among his children. That flavor is in the here as well. And, and he brought Jesus up from the dead. So did Jesus rise from the dead? Or did God raise him from the dead? Yes. We're told both. And it's kind of one of those triune God uh, uh, ideas here. But this God of peace who brought Jesus from the dead. Interestingly, this is the only reference to Jesus' resurrection in this letter. His, his after-resurrection uh, activities have been described in detail. 
uh, in this this mighty work of God is something that Paul, the Apostle Paul uses to describe the power that he wants the Ephesian believers to experience personally. As you can read about in Ephesians 1 verses 19 through 20 when he describes he hopes that they will experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe and this power is in according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We also see here that God brought Jesus from the dead by the blood of what he calls the eternal covenant. God's work through the Son was to make and to accomplish in this redemptive sphere of a new covenant. And Hebrews has taught us about this covenant that God has enabled for us with God through Christ. And this new covenant is in his blood brought to the heavenly altar by Jesus, our great high priest. That is what we have learned from this letter to these Hebrew believers. Do you know how significant it is that God through Jesus made an eternal covenant for those who trust in Christ? It'll become, it will never become obsolete. It will never be replaced by another covenant the way that the old covenant was. It will never be the basis. It is the basis of our never-ending relationship with God in Christ. And we see also this idea that Jesus was appointed as our great shepherd. Or as we've seen before, our chief shepherd. And and it makes me think of how Peter describes, the apostle Peter describes Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.25 he says, For you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And we've looked at how elders in a church are called to be shepherds under this this original, the, the, the OG if you will, a great shepherd of our souls. And we're, and we're reminded that when the chief shepherd appears, those shepherds of, those human shepherds of the sheep will receive the unfading crown of glory when their chief shepherd appears. We're told in 1 Peter 5, 4. As one writer says, as the good shepherd from John 10, Jesus died for the sheep. And as the chief shepherd... 1 Peter 5, he will come for the sheep at his return. As the great shepherd, he lives for the sheep in heaven today, working on our behalf. So after establishing and talking about Jesus as the great high priest throughout this letter, why switch all of a sudden? Why switch to talking to him about the, as the great shepherd rather than the great high priest? Well, I think that's, that's because this is the benediction. This is like, what am I going to leave them with? What am I going to remind them of? Well, I'm going to remind them of what God has provided for them. And that is shepherding by the good shepherd himself. Shepherding us as a flock. It's that prayer that the author is leaving his readers with. And he wants to remind them, but he also is praying that Jesus will be that shepherd. That God 
who gave them this shepherd will equip them to follow their shepherd. You know, when I think about looking upon our God, behold our God, we're saying here, and all the ways that he's described in this verse 20. I think of how it's the opposite of the Wizard of Oz, right? That this little man, it turns out, that's behind the green curtain, that's turning these, these uh, wheels and pulling these levers and making this smoke and these lights and these this fire pots going off and making this, this big face on the wall that says, Do not speak this way to the great Oz. And finally Toto goes over and pulls the green curtain back. And again, it's that little man at the, at the wheels. This is the great wizard of Oz? And he has to say, do not look at the man behind the green curtain, right? But really, when we talk about behold our God, God is one that, that, that different than the Wizard of Oz, it's saying, oh, don't look at me. God's saying, you cannot look on me. Man cannot look on me and live. He, he, for, for our sake, he has to describe himself in a myriad of different ways that, that like, like the different cuts of a diamond that cause it to shimmer as it turns and causes its glory to be kind of refracted for us. God gives us different pictures of, of who he is, none of them contradicting one another, but only creating a more fuller picture of who this infinite God is. The one, we're told, who raised Jesus from the dead, who, who, who declared him to be our great shepherd, and also equips us to serve him himself. Rather than hoping that we won't look at him because he's so small, God tells us that no one can look at him and live. But yet, we can look forward to learning about and, and knowing his infinite being for all of eternity. Because it is going to take eternity to know the infinite God. Behold the God we serve. He has enabled us to be at peace with him through Christ. He resurrected Jesus from the dead, having accepted his sacrifice for sin. He has established Jesus as the chief shepherd, the great shepherd of us, his church. He has made an everlasting covenant with us as his privileged people. But secondly, I want you to see, behold his work. The idea that he is equipping us. He is the one who is is setting us up, providing for us to be able to serve him. And this isn't some sort of deistic way of of like, man, I came to Christ as my savior and and Christ set me up. He, He packed my bag and it's like, okay, I'll see you after death. No, obviously he's equipping us with relationship, through relationship with him. As we see here, behold his work, his work through you. How amazing is that? 
that he would equip you with everything good that you may do his will. I mean, you would think like, okay, God, give me some special glasses that I can put them on and I can see you doing your will all over the earth. I mean, he can do everything beyond all that we ask or think, but yet he chooses to do work through us. That we might do his will is what he's equipped us for. This idea of equipping us means being equipped for service, to make fit, to make complete for a job that needs to be done. And he's equipped us with everything good. This would be everything good from God's perspective. You know what? We would choose rainbows and roses and whiskers on kittens and bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with string. I had to look those lyrics up, by the way. I do not have those. But we would choose our favorite things to be equipped with. What God provides us with doesn't necessarily look like what we would provide. You know, as Paul tells the Corinthians, that in their pain, in their struggle, in their challenges, God is comforting them with the comfort that they one day will use to comfort others. That comes through pain. That comes through heartache. That comes through challenges. But even in that, Paul's reminding them, he's equipping you for the future. And what God's will brings us to that we wouldn't always choose, God's grace can bring us through. Walking with him as our savior. We'd say, okay, God, I know what I need. I need plenty of money. I need plenty of comfort. I need plenty of appreciation. I need appreciation in order to keep going here. I need to feel a sense of success as I do something, and I need no spiritual warfare. Keep that away. Actually, what we need, we have from God if our goal is to do His will that's what we are is prayed for and we can take as a promise that he can do he can equip us to do his will we're assured that we that what we need for fulfilling god's will has been given to us also in verses like second peter 1 3 his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to do his uh, called us to his own glory and excellence. Did you see that? He has equipped us for everything that we need for doing his will, for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Once again we see it's through walking with him, through knowing him, through relationship with him. I love what Westcott writes. The work of God makes man's work possible. Yes, we're doing his will. We are called to do his will, but it requires his equipping us to do his will in order for us to accomplish any of it. I want to tell you this. When we look as a body, and and we as shepherds were kind of looking at, you know, future needs, all right? 
You know, we got some carpet that needs to be replaced. We got some chairs that need to be replaced. We need to be thinking about education space and things like that. And, and we're, we're kind of talking about, okay, how should we go about approaching this? And, and one of the things that we want to do is we believe that, that the Lord wants to work through us bringing teams of people together. Even teams of harvesters together to think about and, and to pray about. You know, one of our values, the way we want to do everything is walking in prayerful dependence. To be praying about, okay, Lord, how do you want us to move forward in these things? But I got to tell you, this is out of my wheelhouse. All right? Um, and and it, it's not just like, we don't believe it's just a matter of, okay, go find some consulting firm that's going to tell you how to do this. Because we want God to show us how he wants Harvest to do this. But I believe that God can equip us as shepherds. God can equip me in, in leading this. God can equip that team of people to prayerfully find those answers and to do his will when it comes to these things. And, and passages like this give me such great confidence in that. And everything that God has called you to, he can and if you're going to accomplish anything for his glory and his kingdom, he must equip you for it to do his will. Well, behold his work in you, we see. It's not just him equipping you in order to do his will, but notice it's working in us. And that working is describing his equipping. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. And that working comes through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He is simultaneously working in us what pleases him. This is similar to what I kind of Philippians 2 verses 12 through 13 kind of meld these ideas together as Paul uh, states in his letter to the Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then he explains, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Who works at our, sal- our salvation with fear and trembling? Well, we do, and God is. We see that same combination here in our passage here this morning. And his working, as with everything else in the body of Christ, it comes through Jesus. As the New Testament commentary says, the whole process of doing God's will can be achieved only through Jesus Christ, which completely removes any grounds for satisfaction in merely human achievement. This is similar to what we're told in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast And then he he goes on to even describe our walk with him after salvation. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, who's doing it? We are doing it with God in relationship with him. Where does the power reside? In him. And, And we get to hold his hand. As we do that, 
what we're called to do individually and as a corporate body with him. You want to say, really? Is there anything that I get to do for God and take credit for it? No. We're saved in the way that we're saved so that we can't boast in our salvation and even in our good works. We are his workmanship doing it and he's laid them out beforehand that we should walk in them. So just walk. Just walk with him. That's why I love personal devotions in the morning. It's like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me to focus on this morning? What do you want to open my eyes up to this morning? What, 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 uh, there's something you're going to equip me for here this morning in my day. I I just want to lay my life out before you. I loved how uh, one of the speakers at the men's uh, Lenten breakfast put it when he talked about stewardship. He said, Lord, let the, he said, it's like praying, Lord, let the things that I don't get done today be the things that you don't want me to get done today. Isn't that how you feel? Like it's the list of things you didn't get done. And walking in submission to him kind of looks like that. Lord, let the stuff I don't get done be the stuff you didn't want me to get done. And I'll be good with that. We've been reminded that it's God's glory that all of this is about. We read this in Hebrews 10.36. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God... Amidst their suffering as Jewish Christians cast out from their culture. So that you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. It is all about us accomplishing his will for his glory. So yesterday, um, uh, we were going to have just something simple, some sandwiches for supper. All right? Me and Zach were going for the breakfast sandwich. Kelly wanted to go for the BLT, you know, type of thing. And it, it's not bacon. We don't do bacon at our house. It's ham cooked on the stove. But anyways, um, I know. Let me come to your house for BLT. <laughs> but Kelly loves pickles with her sandwich. All right. And she's like, oh, we should have picked up some pickles. I, you know, and I'm like, I think we have pickles. And so I go over to the cabinet, and there it is. I finally get to f- see something right in the front of the cabinet instead of the wife doing it, right? So I reach down, and I'm like, pickles. And I turn around, and I do the whole, like, uh, price is right model, hand swipe across the pickles, like, ta-da. And she looks at him, and she goes, thank you, Lord. And part of me all of a sudden was like, Wait a second. I'm the one that got the pickles out of the cabinet and did the hand swipe in front of them. I probably didn't even buy those pickles, right? I didn't probably, I didn't put the pickles in the cabinet. All I did was remember we had pickles. Somebody else did all the work. In the same way, how ridiculous would it be for me to think, Kelly should be thanking me. God has provided the grounds, the power, the equipping, the, the, the whole right that we have to come before his throne as his children. 
if we have received Christ as our Savior, God has provided it all. He provides us with the perfect tools to accomplish His good. God provides us with the plans that carry out His will in our world. God blessed us with the fact that He works in us. And God should get the glory for it all. That's the design. And and as we move away from Hebrews, I want to point out something here and recognize. It is getting, in many ways, more difficult to do God's will in our culture. In, in, In separate conversations with many of you, as you are even finding in your family, with your adult children, with your grandchildren, starting to feel like it's getting more difficult to to be that voice of God. I'm hearing more and more, I don't want to hear it. I'm hearing more and more, you know what? You're just the what's wrong with this country. You know, as we've talked about this in in, uh, other conversations, We've come to kind of the conclusion for these Hebrew believers coming to Christ without them knowing it when they received Christ as their Savior, at least the original ones, and later on it was like, I know this is what I'm signing up for. They were being cast out of their Jewish culture for that coming to Christ. What we are experiencing in America is our culture is leaving us. That is no less of a connection that we have with these readers. Like these original readers, we are finding it more difficult to live for God's glory in our culture. But he is no less equipping us. And we can trust that God can provide us and will provide us with what we need to accomplish his will as we walk with him. I want to share with you something that, okay, like, this is like three three steps removed, that Albert Moeller shared that a rabbi, uh, Rafi Ice, shared. Okay? And, and this came up specifically because an um, Orthodox Jewish college in New York City, um, Yeshiva University, has been, has been told by the Supreme Court that for at least for now, until they go through the proper steps, that they must, if they provide any clubs, they must also provide an LGBTQ club for students. And in response to that, uh, Rabbi Ice has been writing about the requirement of this university. And, and he says, in a strong biblical society, liberalism can give the appearance of neutrality. Okay, do you follow that? Like liberalism, or what we also know as progressivism, can have a tendency to say, well, we're secular, so therefore we're neutral. He says, however, with Christianity on the wane in America, and without biblical resources to strengthen healthy moral values, we now live in a society of unfiltered liberalism, and it functions like a religion. It goes on to say that, that how liberalism is not neutral. He says, on issues related to the gender definition of gender, the importance of marriage, the, the definition of marriage, the importance of raising children in a nuclear family, and the duties to parents, liberalism definitely takes a side. It is not neutral. 
He explains how religion is supposed to function in certain ways. Actions and rituals, holidays and symbols. The public statements of religious leaders apply and reinforce this understanding of right and wrong according to those religious views. He says what we find is liberalism does the same thing. There are liberal holidays like Gay Pride Month. They're they're, uh, being fired from one's job or canceled for having the wrong outlook is a form of excommunication, bordering on inquisition. I've kind of said with you something similar to this, that, that what we're seeing in our culture today is liberalism has shifted from being a secular humanism to a sacred humanism with a new morality with a new definition of what is immoral. Rabbi Ice agrees with this. He says, I think it's really important that we understand this is the challenge we face. It is not religion versus no religion. It is not religious commitment versus supposed secular neutrality. Secularism is decidedly not neutral. The secular religion issues commands that are just as demanding as any form of theistic faith. American convictional Christians are closer to the original readers of this letter to the Hebrews than ever. Than ever we have been in our time as a country. And we will only grow more like them in being rejected by our culture. Were effectively, they were effectively forced to leave Jewish culture when trusting Christ as Savior and Lord. And we, as we trust Christ and Savior and Lord and walk with him in a convictional sense, our culture continues to leave us. But we don't sit there and lick our wounds, feel sorry for ourselves, or get angry about it. But like these readers, we can be encouraged that we have all that we need to glorify God in our day as well. He can equip us with everything good to do his will. He can work in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God has done all the hard work. Okay, He's brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant. He can equip you with everything good that you may do his will. As he's working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. It's almost like God has set up all the dominoes. Right? And the question is with you on the finger of that first domino. Are you going to surrender to him? And just flip it in the right direction. Say, Lord, take my life. Take my job. Make me your missionary wherever I am. I surrender to your will. Equip me to do it. Or are you going to just flip the domino the other way? Say, ah, I know you, you can do it all. But I can't surrender to it. Let's pray. Father God, equip us. But we recognize all the equipping in the world doesn't do any good if we're not willing to be your voice. If we're not willing to say, this is what scripture says is right. 
This is what scripture says is wrong. If we're not willing to be that patriarch or matriarch of our family, And say, I love you, but I cannot embrace what you embrace. Lord, these are hard things. These are heartbreaking things. Let us be encouraged, Father, that it is you that does the work. And that you are working in us and you can continue to work in us that we might accomplish your will. That you can prepare us for following you in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. And Lord, how awesome is it that we get to know you better through it all. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray this for us individually and I pray this for us as a corporate body as well. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.